Hello, my wonderful audience. It is your nearly as wonderful host, Ryan Daly, and I'm coming here with a very special message for you. Please stick around to the end of this episode and experience a special sneak preview of the Secret Origins podcast, a show that I'm debuting in June. So when you get to the end of this show and you hear the Star Wars music and it's fading out, don't just stop the episode. Don't hit delete. Don't do anything. Just give it another four and a half minutes. You'll, you'll hear me and some other voices. It's, it's cool. It's fun. It's, oh, man, this is just rambling. I'm going to regret this. I got a bad feeling about this. Standing by. This is not rescue. I'm a Jedi. Like my father before me. Everything's perfectly alright now. We're fine. We're all fine here. No, thank you. How are you? Welcome back to another episode of Dead Buffin Spies. I'm your host, Ryan Daly, and I'm all alone again this time. I don't know what I did to drive my friends oh so far away, but I'll try to put my solitude to good use. Which, in the age of the internet, means bitching about things I don't like. That sounds harsh. What I mean is analyzing things from the Star Wars universe that... just don't work for me for one reason or another. The subject of this episode is long overdue. I mean, almost six months overdue. I had planned this episode, actually scripted this to be a feature in the very first episode of Dead Boffin Spies. But that episode was all about the first Force Awakens teaser, and I wanted to keep it short just to float it as a podcast test balloon, and the episodes that followed were all longer and much more focused on a bigger idea, and, well, there just never seemed to be the right time for this segment but I want to introduce it now. It's a segment called My Star Wars, and hopefully it'll be a recurring feature every couple episodes. And I guess I'll get to it by just reading the piece I originally wrote back in December when I was preparing the podcast. I'm glad you're here to tell us these things. All the Star Wars stories beyond the feature films were called the Expanded Universe. This included novels, comic books, video games, animated series, content from role-playing games, and more. As material from the expanded universe increased substantially in volume, especially in the late 1990s and early 2000s, the publishing arm of Lucasfilm bent over backwards to ensure that all of these stories fit onto a rigid and clearly defined timeline. The events in comics like Dark Empire and the books like the Thrawn Trilogy and the New Jedi Order were considered the further adventures of Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, and Princess Leia, even if the majority of people who saw the movies never read these books. The expanded universe existed in that way for at least two decades. Initially, the EU material put out by Bantam and Delray Books and Dark Horse Comics in the 90s tried to distance itself from the original Marvel Comics series put out in the late 70s and early 80s. But even aspects of those Marvel Star Wars were eventually grandfathered into the EU canon. And that is a very important and very problematic word, canon. For years, many Star Wars fans wanted all of these stories to be canon. They wanted them all to be official, all to be part of the same universe. They demanded that all these stories fit onto the same timeline, so much so that Lucasfilm began publishing an official timeline that they included with all the books and comics. 
The problem is, when you have content written over the course of 40 years, not always consistently, not always linearly, from multiple authors in different media, you're bound to have some contradictions. Where those problems became most evident was after the release of the prequel trilogy of films, The Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, and Revenge of the Sith. It was clear that George Lucas put zero thought into making sure that his movies meshed with the expanded universe. And maybe it was wrong of us to expect him to. But if you did follow the EU timeline, and you read the Thrawn trilogy of novels, you had a certain vision, and maybe it was cloudy and amorphous, but you had an idea of what the Clone Wars were and when they were set. And I don't think anybody who read Heir to the Empire would have envisioned the Clone Wars like we saw in the prequel movies. But Lucasfilm decided, understandably, that the films were sacrosanct and everything else was secondary. So as more books and comics and video games were published, they began to retroactively tweak what had previously been published in the EU. This is called retroactive continuity, or retconning. Fans of comic books have lived with retcons for a hundred years. It's a natural byproduct of serial storytelling in fiction. And unfortunately, it meant that some of the expanded universe that was written far, far better than the prequel films was compromised. Lucasfilm wanted to preserve the timeline, even if it damaged some of the stories that built said timeline. This all changed in April of 2014, when the Walt Disney Company took over the Star Wars franchise. Disney is producing a new set of films, and just like George Lucas did with the prequels, they're giving no regard to the expanded universe timeline. They don't want to spend the first hour of The Force Awakens explaining 50 years worth of further adventures of Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, and Princess Leia. So in April of last year, Disney disavowed the expanded universe. They have now said that the only official Star Wars canon is what happened in the films, and I think the cartoons like Clone Wars and Rebels, and then whatever new books are published from this point on. Everything else they have rebranded Star Wars Legends, which is their way of saying it's an alternate universe. It's non-canonical. A lot... A lot of Star Wars fans were dismayed or downright infuriated by this news, because we're talking about hundreds of books, thousands of comics that are now considered unofficial, and to diehard fans of any property, words like unofficial and non-canonical are evil words. It feels like the company said, all the time and the money you spent reading this material was wasted because we don't consider these stories valid or important. We just tricked you into buying a broken product for three decades. In practice, this should be ridiculous, because you did read the books and presumably you enjoyed them. Your time and money wasn't wasted, but a lot of fans have difficulty differentiating the reading experience from the knowledge and history gained from the text. Fans of Spider-Man comics know this feeling very, very well. Many Star Wars fans were bothered by this retcon. Star Wars Legends, like it's less legitimate, like it's just one step up from fan fiction, and I'm not knocking fan fiction, but hopefully you don't pay $20 to read it. I, I was not upset by the retcon. It didn't bother me at all. I completely understand why Disney and Lucasfilm did it, and I appreciate it, because I don't want J.J. Abrams to have to shoehorn the insanely complicated history of Han and Leia's kids into the backstory of his movies. Do you want the opening crawl of The Force Awakens to say Han and Leia had three kids, two of them died, and one turned evil? Don't tell me about that story if you're not going to show it, and you can't show it, so just tell a new story. Beyond that, though, I wasn't upset that the Expanded Universe became non-canonical, because I already did that myself. 
after the prequel films came out, I made the conscious decision to shatter the EU timeline in my mind. Why force stories that contradict each other into the same rigid history? They don't make sense, and forcing them to make sense only compromises the story. I love the Dark Empire comics, and I love the Thrawn trilogy of novels by Timothy Zahn. They were published at roughly the same time, and on the timeline Dark Empire takes place immediately after The Last Command. Except the state of the New Republic and the planet Coruscant at the start of Dark Empire makes everything in the Thrawn trilogy meaningless. All that they fought for is lost between the pages. If you read them in order, it's like a sucker punch. They're both great stories, but they should not be on the same timeline. They're not part of the same continuity. It gets lambasted by a lot of fans, but I think the Jedi Academy trilogy, written by Kevin J. Anderson, is a fun set of books. They don't belong in the same universe as the Thrawn trilogy, though, because Anderson made the Jedi too powerful, like superheroes. Again, it was still fun, but tonally they're incompatible. And the prequel trilogy, I don't consider those movies canon. Not my canon. Not my Star Wars. I don't want those movies to be the origin of Darth Vader and the Clone Wars, because the vision in my mind, and sure, it's cloudy and amorphous, but the idea of Anakin Skywalker's fall from grace that's in my mind is a thousand times more enjoyable than Revenge of the Sith was. So, this is where my Star Wars begins. Every now and then, I'll devote a segment of Dead Bath and Spies to my Star Wars. It's a little bit editorial, a little bit fan theory, and a little bit nerd rant where I talk about elements of Star Wars and the expanded universe that work or don't work in my preferred canon. Basically, if I was in charge of the Star Wars property, what would I put on my timeline? What would I put on an alternate timeline? And what would I dump in an unmarked grave so that it is never seen again? Perhaps you think you're being treated unfairly? Okay, so for my first My Star Wars segment, I want to do something pretty short and simple. This is a fan theory that I've had for a couple of years, and it was born out of the common question I heard all the time whenever Star Wars fans got together, on forums or cons or whatever. The question is, if Obi-Wan Kenobi wanted to keep Luke Skywalker's existence safe from the Empire, why didn't he change Luke's name? This question was further complicated after the prequel films came out when Obi-Wan brought Luke to live with Anakin Skywalker's only living family on Anakin's homeworld. The answer to the second part of the question is awful writing. The answer to the first part, how did Obi-Wan and Yoda expect to keep Luke a secret if he's walking around with the name Skywalker? Well, in my Star Wars, he wasn't. In the film Star Wars, Luke is never identified as Luke Skywalker until he rescues Princess Leia on the Death Star. Up until then, his last name isn't mentioned. Luke didn't know his father was a Jedi until he met Ben Kenobi. He didn't know about the Force. Maybe he didn't know his last name was Skywalker. What if Luke grew up thinking his last name was Lars, or something, anything else? He could have found out his name was Skywalker from Ben Kenobi off-screen when they were hanging out on Tatooine or aboard the Millennium Falcon on the way to Alderaan. Now, this theory ignores any and all stories set before the films, as well as the novelization of the first Star Wars. But that's the point of this segment. In my Star Wars, Luke didn't know his real surname until Obi-Wan rescued him during the events of the first film. That is how I rationalize Obi-Wan not being appallingly bad at protecting Luke from Darth Vader. And that's all for this episode. If you enjoyed this show, you can leave feedback at the blog page at deadbothandspies.blogspot.com or the Facebook page at facebook.com backslash deadbothandspies. 
You can also leave a review of the show on iTunes, and you can track me down at Twitter, at RyanDaily01, or the username CountDracula. Dead Boffet Spies is not affiliated with Lucasfilm or Walt Disney Company, and the views expressed on the show are mine alone. All music and audio clips are used for entertainment purposes and are believed covered under fair use, and I make no money off this podcast, so no copyright infringement is intended. Thanks for listening, and until next time, I'm going to look for some other friends to be on the next show. Hi, devoted listeners. It's Ryan Daly here to give you an exclusive sneak peek at my upcoming Secret Origins podcast, a review show dedicated to the post-crisis Secret Origins comics. Secret Origins told, or retold, or occasionally reimagined the origins of many of DC's legendary superheroes, including Batman, Superman, The Flash, Green Lantern, Green Arrow, Jonah Hex, Nightwing, Plastic Man, Batgirl, Blackhawk, Black Lightning, Booster Gold, Detective Chimp, The Legion of Superheroes, and a hundred others. But I won't be alone in my coverage of these epic stories. I'm bringing the best and brightest and irredeemablest guest stars from the blogosphere and podcast community, such as Chris Franklin from the Supermates podcast. I think this is a great idea for a podcast, and I wish I'd thought of it first, but I'm, I'm, it's in good hand. Chris and I are going to be reviewing the first issue of Secret Origins, which tells the story of the Golden Age Superman. And now, Chris, I don't know if this has ever come up before on your own show... But would you say you're much of a Superman fan? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I am definitely a Superman fan. Uh, Superman, the movie, is still my favorite movie of all time. That's my Star Wars. I don't remember a time when I didn't know who Superman was. Tim Wallace from Court Industries, a blog devoted to Blue Beetle. My friends, my close friends, would probably tell you that Aquaman was my favorite hero. And they wouldn't be too far off from the truth... But there was already a pretty decent blog covering Aquaman, so I went for my number two, which was which was Blue Beetle. And this issue actually has a lot to do with uh, why he's one of my favorites. Luke Giaconetti from the Hawkman blog being Carter Hall in the Earth Destruction Directive podcast. Thank you for having the, the enthusiasm to talk about Halo, because this is not a character that I know much about. Uh, you know, it's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the oddballs in that I'm an Outsiders fan who doesn't like the Teen Titans. So I, <laughs> I figure I'm, I'm pretty much required to do my, my, uh, you know, my due diligence in defending the members of the Outsiders team, especially one of the originals. Siskoid from Siskoid's Blog of Geekery and the Hero Points podcast. One of the subjects I keep returning to is Golden Age superheroes. I like exploring the the history of comics, and especially DC Comics, which has the biggest load of, uh, of Golden Age heroes. In Secret Origins is full of these because Roy Thomas wrote 
um, you know, half the series or so. And just like he wrote a lot of Golden Age heroes and brought Golden Age heroes to the um, to our attention in the 80s, which was when I started reading comics. And of course, Rob Kelly from the Fire and Water podcast. The plan was, all this time, once we finished Who's Who, we were going to do the Secret Origin series. That was our next ga- our next uh, big project. And you have swooped in and stolen it, and I'm just saying, you better not screw this up. I mean, you're on episode four, and you brought in your biggest guest star yet. But from here, if it's just downhill, I'm going to be really ticked off that you ruined our idea. Mm, I wasn't really listening to any of that. Plus more incredible guest stars, including Sean Engel, Chad Bokelman, Kyle Benning, Nathaniel Wayne, Paul Scavito, Greg Araujo, Tom Paneris, Doug Zawissa, Aaron Moss, Alan Middleton, Max Romero, Gene Hendricks, Stella, Ange, Diablo Frank, and possibly as many as ten other guests, or as few as none. Join us as we uncover the secret origins of all your favorite DC heroes, except for Wonder Woman and Aquaman, and Supergirl, and the Huntress, and Red Tornado, and Mira, and Aqualad, and Jon Stewart, the Green Lantern, and Wildcat, and Metamorpho, and Geoforce, and Mr. Terrific, Snapper Car. The Secret Origins Podcast, starting in June, 